Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening and welcome to Done By Law. You're on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. It's right on 602. You're here with Katya and Beth tonight, and tonight we're going to be talking about the medically supervised injecting room in Richmond. So just over 12 months ago, the medically supervised injecting room, or the MSIR, opened its doors uh, in Richmond, and the MSIR provides a space for people who inject drugs to do so under medical supervision, therefore mitigating the risk of overdose and other harms. The MSIR also facilitates access to healthcare and other social support services for its clients. It's recently received a little bit of negative media, so tonight we're going to be talking about the facility, we're going to be talking about some of the media and the legal implications for its clients. And in the studio tonight, we're joined by Nico Clark, Medical Director at the MSIR, um, that's part of North Richmond Community Health, and also Adam Wilson, who is Senior Drug Outreach Lawyer at Fitzroy Legal Service. Welcome, Nico and Adam. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. So, Nico, I thought you could start us off first with a little bit of a reflection about how the last 12 months has been, so some of the uh, challenges, progresses and achievements of the centre. So the centre opened um, the 30th of June, uh, 12, just over 12 months ago. It, it was very rapidly put together after an announcement in November the year before, and immediately there were enormous numbers of people attending every day. Um, uh, we had 80 people on the first day, and then on, on average, we kind of an average day towards the end, we had 200 people coming through every day. And the thing that struck me was the uh, over overwhelming clinical need that the people had who were coming through. They typically had been um, victims of early childhood trauma, and this had ca they'd carried this with them throughout their lives, one way or another, and had often ended up um, using a range of substances, and uh, including in heroin for the vast majority who were using the room when we were there, and they had. Uh, a significant range of mental health and physical health problems uh, that they had not been able to find a way to have treated in their existing healthcare system and for whom they found the space one where they could relax a little bit kind of they could feel safe where they felt like they could be treated like just another ordinary human for a few minutes of each day and where they were happy to receive the kind of healthcare and social supports and also legal supports that they had not found a way to receive otherwise. 
And the facility is set to expand as well, is that right? It's already expanded. So on the 30th of June most recently, so a couple of weeks ago, a, we moved into a new facility. It was a purpose-built facility that was the construction was started as soon as we, we kind of opened the first facility. And it's it has almost twice the capacity uh, for people to inject, and it has four kind of rooms to provide additional health services where the, the temporary facility only had one. So we're gradually kind of scaling up the the, the capacity of that service, uh, including extended opening hours. The centre is now open 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and we've seen a, a significant increase in the number of people coming through the centre in, in already in these last two weeks. So we think that this represents that there's a larger population of people who need the facility, who who haven't been able to use the facility basically because it's been full a lot of the time. Excellent. And Adam, I wanted to ask a little bit about your role. Uh, so what yep. service does Fitzroy Legal Service provide to uh, the centre? Right. So... Um I'm the Senior Drug Outreach Lawyer. We're a team of two lawyers. <laughs> so, um, and we've been, the drug outreach role has been around for almost 20 years. And for a great deal of that, we've had a relationship with North Richmond Community Health, which is also the, the position of the, um, the MSA as well, the MCIR, MSA, as we'll call it. Um, so we provide it, well, drug users um, in the city of Yarra, and that that obviously, uh, or using city of Yarra services, and that obviously entails the people using the EMSA. Um So, anything that comes, anyone who's in need of any sort of um, legal advice, and and often casework, we often take on casework as well. Um, who comes through those doors is referred through a client, or just on our outreaches. Um, when we actually are there and, and we actually meet meet people who are there and then and then have a chat and then realise there's a legal issue that's um, that's going on in their life and um, give advice or potentially take it on as a client. And Nico mentioned some of the different types of issues that the clients at Access the Centre have um, around, I guess, different uh, intersecting social and economic. Uh, issues and yeah. also trauma. So what are some of the things that you see in the client base that um, at, at the centre? Well, that's right. I mean, I'm seeing very much the same sort of, well, very much the same sort of issues and the legal issues that that come from, from significant trauma, namely being victims of family violence. Um, that's a huge issue. Um, housing issues in relation to tenancy, uh, mental health issues, mental health tribunal. Um, these these are just some of the issues, and then also also uh, infringement. Infringement's pretty significant in, uh, burden in a lot of people's lives, and um, a lot of them not knowing that there actually are um, there are avenues for them in relation to their special circumstances. Yeah, so they look just um, just the disadvantage. The, the sort of issues that that hit with all um, marginalised people. Mm. So it sounds like the um, centre has been doing re some really great work, uh, but, Nico, recently there's been 
some negative media that's come out um, from mainstream media sources around concerned residents. Uh, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the media and if you've got any responses to any of that. So we've uh, met with local residents since before the room opened and, we, and there's an ongoing process of consultation. We're meeting again on Thursday this week. There's an uh, open community consultation um, at the factory just near the, the, the Belgian Avenue, just, just near the facility. And it was clear even before the facility opened that some people found the concept of it incredibly challenging, that, that this was something that, was, that just did not fit with their realm of comprehension. It was, it was just they couldn't imagine how it could be a good thing. Uh, and so I think we are dealing with something which just challenges people regardless of their experience of what's happened in Richmond. It's just confronting to them by its very nature. I think we're also... Another element is there has been a lot of drug use in Richmond for a long period of time, and before that there was a lot of alcohol use in Richmond. But it, 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 it's you know there is a congregation of of, of marginalised people in Richmond, and I think that that has had an impact. You know, such as the rate of overdoses in the streets over the years that many of the residents talk about people injecting in their laneway, having discovered people overdosed, having discovered dead bodies. And I think that's a, a traumatic thing for them as well. We, we talk about the trauma that our clients received. And while this is not of the same magnitude, nonetheless, I think a lot of residents have experienced some degree of, of trauma from witnessing something in Richmond and it can be witnessing somebody else suffering that can be traumatic witnessing two people in conflict I think that's the majority of the cases and occasionally people have been victims of kind of verbal assaults or an extremely rarely physical assaults but I think the the Richmond is by and large not a dangerous place to live but the presence of a large number of marginalized people some people find very confronting and uh, and they see with the presence of a built facility in the area that this is not going to go away in a hurry and that uh, that and it's and it's difficult for people to think how they what are they going to how they're going to you know to manage this in the future and i think that's uh, it is a challenging question for society i mean we have an area in richmond we have kind of extremely wealthy people living very closely to kind of extremely marginalised people and that creates a certain tension which is uh, you know, not easy to resolve and I think most of what we feel is a result of these two factors that have been present for a long period of time and and then we see with the, with the room a lot of people I speak to say that around the centre things have improved markedly I've certainly seen uh, less overdoses in the vicinity of the centre. Uh, um, needle exchange workers say there's a lot less syringe debris in the streets, but nonetheless, it hasn't suddenly transformed the area to, you know, a kind of, uh, and to, so to remove all evidence of drug use. And 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 some people feel perhaps that that was, that that's what they were promised would happen. And whereas in reality, I think it will have a positive impact, but that the full impact will take a longer period of time as more people commence drug treatment 
as more people get the support that they need. Over time, that will will reduce the amount of drug use in our community and reduce the visual effects of drug use, but that will be a longer process. So it, it sounds like, in a way, a lot of community concerns are... Um, the same kind of concerns that the centre has for clients and community health and actually sometimes things can be set in opposition to each other but often we have actually the same concerns around the kinds of healthy communities we want to live in and when we, I guess, some of those resident concerns might then be alleviated when the concerns of the clients of the centre are actually provided with adequate support and healthcare and social services. I think that's right. I think the centre is actually doing what many of the local residents are asking for in a way but it, it also to them symbolises the problem and so they, they, they may often kind of say well they want it to go away because they want the problem to go away but what they're really talking about is the problem they're not really talking about the, the solution in the form of the room and the services that it's offering at the moment. Mm. And Adam just before we go to the break have you seen any um because obviously your work is directly with the clients of the centre, yeah. but has Fitzroy Legal Service um, had any of the residents reach out with any issues? Do you see the the two things coming together at all? No, we ha- we haven't had any. Well, um, I-, I feel that it's a, it's a certain type of as far as the residents that have taken issue with the with the facility, we haven't really had any type of um, they haven't re- reached out to us in any sort of way mm. at all as far as they go. Well, yeah. well, that's a good thing then. So Which is a shame. Well, well it would well, be good if they did in some way because I could tell them a lot of, you know, feel-good stories about old clients who've engaged in health services wherein they, they never would have if it wasn't for the EMSA. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I haven't I haven't heard from any of the, um, any of that, that, that group of residents who've had a, the, the concerns recently. Excellent. Well, we're just going to go to a break. So we're, we're here speaking with Nico Clark, Medical Director of the uh, Medically Supervised Injecting Room, and Adam Wilson, Senior Drug Outreach Lawyer of Fitzroy Legal Service. We'll be back after a short break. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian-made, and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey, and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377, or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
Before that, she lived in a flat with her husband, and she knew all the family. She was my mum's sister. She used to go see mum. Oh, that's one, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. Bing Cosby, Judy Garland, Patronata, Dean Martin, Kimmy Loose. I love them all. I love them. I don't know the word. Love me sweet, never let me go. Oh, my darling, I love you, and I always will. Love me tender, love me sweet. Oh, my dreams come real. Oh, my darling, I love you, and I always will. Uh, my, uh, my Ali, um, Ali Bonnie, she had one of those, and she used to play with the old songs, her and her husband. I, I love it, yeah. I love it. I love it. You're on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. It's 6.18 and we're back talking with Nico Clark, Medical Director of the Medically Supervised Injecting Room and Adam Wilson, the Senior Drug Outreach Lawyer of Fitzroy Legal Service. Adam, I'd like to start with you now. If you could give us a little bit of an overview of um, any sort of interactions you've had uh, around policing and the centre, so how your clients uh, have maybe interacted around the vicinity of the centre or, um, or even in, internally in the centre. Right. So um, the police have a few discretions in relation to the um, MSER, so they can they can actually choose to not charge someone who's found with um, with heroin or another drug of dependence and can confiscate the drugs but let the person go. Um, I haven't actually seen that in play. I, I I've still I actually haven't noticed a great difference in the actual policing or people getting charged since the M has been opened. Opened, there's still um, people getting charged with possession charges. Um, around the MSER, and that's in probably a 500 metre radius of the MSER. Because um, uh, for people who don't know the the um, makeup where where it sits, it sits in um, it sits uh, next to the Department of Housing, the Blocks, and um, Elizabeth Street. But there's quite a big there's quite a big um, area of reserve around there. Um, there's also the North Richmond train station, which is down the road. But I've had a few people pulled up over there for possession charges. And that's actually been really detrimental because um, what's also happened in the last couple of years, which probably the show's talked about before, is the change in the bail laws. And um, possession is still an indictable offence. That's an indictable offence whilst on bail. And if you're already... So if you're already on bail and you have a... 
another offence of uh, bail of the Bail Act. Um, you actually, look at your, you're looking at being in a um, either a, a compelling reasons uh, category or, or potentially exceptional circumstances in relation to uh, bail. So, so the, it has been very detrimental um, the policing um, of late in relation to possession charges, and particularly considering that people like people are going into that area to actually um, to reduce the harm of their of their injecting. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's one of the experiences I've had, um, but it's not it hasn't been noticeably different. Uh, there's still the sweeps of the street in relation to Victoria Street. They'll have an operation for for a week um, in relation to street dealers. Uh, that to me hasn't changed, but Nico probably is in a better position as far as the, the day-to-day uh, user and goss coming through <laughs> the uh, MSER, I guess. <laughs> Nico, any <Yeah>. goss? <laughs> so the police have had additional resources to respond to community safety issues in Richmond, and they're in the process of putting more people on board. They, uh, we meet regularly with them to. Um, kind of uh, discuss any issues and try and ensure that we're aligning for the, to, to a common purpose. I think it's worth saying that, at least in rhetoric, the police are supportive of the facility. They they want the the you know people who need the healthcare to get healthcare. They also feel they need to kind of show that they're keeping the community safe. And we talk about well, how we can kind of work together to best achieve that. I guess that, as Adam's saying, there's a lot of discretion available to police and sometimes the police are unsure when to use that and when not to do, use that. We've had some police have, you know, call our outreach workers if they find somebody injecting in the vicinity of the, or about to inject in the vicinity of the room and they come and negotiate that person to come down and use the facility and they're very happy with that, and other people might think that they would that would be considered being too soft. So they, we see that there's certainly differences in the in the police practices, as is the the you know the the right of police officers to respond differently. Um, but I think at least with the with the police who I talk to, I think we have, we agree that the vast majority of people are best off directed towards healthcare. Resources and, and we're kind of discussing ways we can best do that. Mm. And I guess it'll take yeah. time. These are, are big issues that you're um, working on, so it definitely is something that over time changes, and I guess policing is something that over time... It'll be a slow sort of transition, especially when we're still working within a model that uh, criminalises drug use. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Adam, I, did you I want think, to say? I think from, I'm sorry, I think from my perspective, I think there's a positive that I, I haven't found the police over-policing, even though the MSER is there. Um, so so I, I actually think it's a positive. Like, um, and I have had conversations with the police before, and, and they all seem, they all are really quite supportive of the MSER. Um, it's just a matter of, as, as Nico was saying, and I was saying as well, that discretion and, and how that, um, how do you use that mm. <laughs> is sometimes questionable. Yeah. And now, turning now to, uh, I think it was two years ago now, there was the drug uh, law reform inquiry. Um, so 
I'll ask both of you a, a question in turn. I might start with you, Nico. So um, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about uh, some a submission that was made around prescriptive heroin, if you want to elaborate on what that is and how it would work in the centre. So we, we talked about the possession a little bit. I mean, one issue that always is more tricky for the police is the dealing. So certainly there's a sense in our community that dealing is uh, certainly mid-level dealing is not something we can ignore and if you come down to Richmond, there's certainly visible dealing, and that kind of presents a challenge for many people in the community. And what it was in this context that the parliamentary submission uh, looked at the, the possibility of prescribing short-acting opioids, you know, such as heroin or similar or hydromorphone or things like that, and that actually received uh, a high level of support from the, mm-hmm. from the people who are part of that uh, inquiry. So can I just jump in? So just to clarify, in the centre, uh, clients can use any type of drug, but the most common is heroin, is that right? That's right. People can uh, bring in any injectable drug that they want to inject, um, and we ask them what they bring in so that we can know how best to respond to them, and 98% tell us that they're planning to inject heroin, sometimes with other sedatives, and less than 2% methamphetamine. So, you know, predominantly we're looking at people with opioid dependence issues and and we could reduce the need for engagement with the, 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 the criminal market by prescribing opioids to those people. And that's, that's essentially what was put before that parliamentary inquiry. So that's, I mean, that would be one way of, of responding to the... the criminal aspects of the of their drug problem. Mm. That sounds like quite a great approach, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Adam, so in terms of the drug law reform inquiry or any other kind of drug law reform activities that Fitzroy Legal Service does, is there something that you your team is working on, on at the moment? Um, well, only what we've been working on for a little while now um, in relation to uh, the, the potential of... of, of pushing a bit of a drug diversion type of, um, well, the availability of drug diversion. There is a drug diversion already, but potentially even um, piloting it in the in areas of need in relation to avoiding um, people having a criminal record for possessing um, a drug of dependence when you know that that clearly it's it's more of a it's a public health issue, not a, shouldn't be criminalised. So so I mean that's that's sort of a focus in relation to drug reform. We've also been um, I, I quickly mentioned it before um, in relation to to uh, the drug possession being an indictable offence, wherein it would be good if it was a summary offence, um, especially with the the intersection of the bail law now. So that's something else that we we kind of we're kind of looking into and pushing. Fantastic. And I guess a final question would be around we've talked a little bit about how the um EMSA can refer people into other kinds of health and social support services. So just finally looking at how EMSA can actually create positive interventions in people's lives. So some of the some of the stories or success stories that have come out of the centre in um, connecting people into community support. So we've seen people overdose and then kind of immediately uh, go on 
uh, drug tibetans treatment and then come back you know weeks later and said that's had a transformative effect on their lives we've seen people escaping situations of domestic violence with our support we've seen people getting their teeth fixed through our oral health program and then getting jobs because they've finally had the confidence to to smile and you know we've so we've seen tens and dozens of of these kind of positive stories um uh, so it's it's really you know kind of moving to work there in fact to see to see you know many people enter uh, treatment of one kind or another the we've got world hepatitis day next week we've we've uh, we've seen many people get their hepatitis treated after many years and many attempts to get it treated previously and and its hepatitis is easily treatable now uh, and yet if it's not treated it can result in liver cancer and it's a significant cause of death now amongst people who inject drugs fantastic and we probably have about 10 seconds adam have you got something uh, a, something that you've seen as a positive intervention in your work at the MCA? well importantly i've seen many people addressing illegal issues when potentially they didn't even know they had a legal issue seeing a lawyer when they didn't know they could see a lawyer and and um resolving a major stressor in their lives and i've seen the i've seen old i've seen old clients fixing health issues in their life non-legal related Fantastic, and we're right on time, so it's just on 6.30. You've been listening to Dumbai Law. We were joined in the studio by Nico Clark, Medical Director of the Medically Supervised Injecting Room, and Adam Wilson, Senior Drug Outreach Lawyer at Fitzroy Legal Service. Thank you both for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you. And we were lucky enough to listen to the song My Nan Taught Me These Songs uh, in the break by Radio Electric, and we'll be going out with Avant Gardener by Courtney Barnett. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.